Uh, it's good to see you and others who will be coming as, as you feel comfortable and, 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 and willing and able. We look forward to seeing you in person soon, too. On Pentecost, we typically talk about that passage from Acts chapter 2 that Heidi read for us a few minutes ago. It's a wonderful passage. It's a powerful passage um, about how God's Spirit came in the midst of this festival, in the midst of this time when people were there from all around the known inhabited world they lived in at that time. And all of a sudden, God pours out His Spirit on these people that they weren't expecting much from. And suddenly, people from all around the known world were able to speak in, were able to hear it in their own language from people that they didn't even know could speak a single language fluently, but could speak multiple languages. It was amazing. But I thought today as we look at Pentecost, we would look back a little bit. We would go back to a, another passage where Jesus talks about that promise. We look at that promise that Jesus made and how it has been fulfilled. And so I invite you to turn with me, if you have your Bibles with you, or the app on your phone, to the Gospel according to John in the seventh chapter, beginning at the 37th verse. I invite you to stand as you're able for the reading of the Gospel. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture is said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive. For as yet there was no Spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As you're seated, let us pray. Heavenly Father, come and send your Holy Spirit upon us as you did on that first Pentecost. Come and kindle in us the fire of your love. Come and we shall be renewed and we shall be part of the renewal of the earth. Come and speak to us in this time in the depths of our hearts and our souls at the deepest part of our need. For if your Holy Spirit speaks, Lord, nothing else matters. But if your Holy Spirit does not speak, Lord, nothing else matters. And so speak to us, Lord, we pray, for we, your children, are listening. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our strength, and through Christ you are our salvation. Amen. Well, we've just got a few weeks left together. In four weeks, I just realized, just thought about this, we're inside a month and I'll be no longer your associate pastor, I'll be the senior pastor of the First United Methodist Church in London, Kentucky. I'm going to miss you all. We're excited about what God has in store for this congregation and for us as we move to London. On Friday, Griffin and I, that's my wife, we went to London and we went and we met outside at a safe social distance with members of their staff parish relations committee. It's the first time we'd seen them face to face. We had done everything else by Zoom and by phone and we got to sit outside and then we got to wander around the church. We were there a long time, a lot to talk about. They had a lot to share. They're good folks. We're excited. Some of them might even be watching right now. So you just have a few weeks until we're, we're coming at you. And uh, we had lunch um, a little bit. We went to Hardee's. I hadn't been to Hardee's in a while. It was pretty good. And one thing disappointed me. Most of you know I'm a northerner. So I ordered iced tea, and they gave me what is apparently referred to as sweet tea. 
All the Midwesterners know where we're going now. I can't hack that stuff. My wife is with those of you who are Southerners. She can't handle the unsweet stuff. And so I tried to drink it, but I could only get two sips. It was too much, too sweet, like drinking sugar. So by the end of the day when we left, and it had been, we'd been there a few hours, and we had seen every room in the building, every closet, everything. It was great. I was very, very thirsty. I'm a little thirsty right now, but there's nothing we can do about that. But at that time, I was really thirsty. And so we went, and I said to Griffin, I said, let's go buy Starbucks. They have a Starbucks in London. It's great. And the drive throughs open. So we go, we go through the drive through and I get one of those, um, it's not a coffee drink, it, it's this refresher thing, mango and dragon fruit. I like it, it's very, it, I thought it was just the right thing. And we got, and I got the venti size. You know the big one? Don't lie to me, you all get that, so you get that size too. The big one. And I'm going to tell you, and Griffin got one, I want to tell you, I was thirsty, and by the time we had gotten about three stoplights on the London Bypass, I drank that whole thing. And so we were still in town, and I saw a McDonald's. I'd already spent enough money. And so or any size soft drink sounded like it was calling my name. So we go through the drive through this time unsweet iced tea. I think I drank all of that before I got to Rockcastle County coming back. I got the big one, too. Why not? It's same price, any size. So I got that, and, and I thought to myself, I do not normally drink about half a gallon in 15 minutes. But such as it was, I was thirsty. I was feeling a little lightheaded. Do you ever get lightheaded when you're thirsty? I was feeling like I could just drink anything and drink as much of it as I could. The thirst was like the only thing I was thinking of. It took us an extra half an hour to get out of London Friday night because of it. And so we're going to talk a little bit about thirst today. Not physical thirst, but spiritual thirst. And folks, I don't know if 2020 has taught you much of anything, but we live in a spiritually thirsty land. If you didn't believe me before, do you believe me now? We live in a world where we have been exposed by this pandemic. We have been exposed as, as, as people who have put our stock in all these things that turn out to be totally fragile. Whether it's our jobs or our investments, our ability to do things, it's all changed. And how many of us this week How many of us this week have, have watched on television what is unfolded in our midst? There's not much I, I, I can say about that. I tried to watch the video. I couldn't get through it all. I couldn't watch 10 minutes of that. And if I couldn't watch it, imagine him experiencing it. And I look and I see, and, and, and you know, and hey, I'm a white guy. You know, I'm a, I'm a heterosexual married white guy. So, like, 
I don't have that experience of what that does emotionally to you when you, when you see, when people watch that and they see in their own experience similar things. When they see in their own experience 400 years of people being treated as less human, as property. What that brings to their spirits. The thirstiness in their souls that comes from the ways that that they have been treated, that, that people who are people of color have been treated in our country since the very beginning. And I can't say that, and, and I can't say that I understand that, but what I, I want to say, what I want to encourage you to do, what I want to say that I'm going to do myself is encourage you to listen to the voices of people who don't have the same reaction when you watch it that you do. Listen to people for whom they see themselves, their family members, in that place. We live in a country that is spiritually thirsty, that is broken, that is damaged by the actions uh, of people and by that which is in our culture, uh, that, that, uh, that prejudice that still even exists in our culture today. And I see this and I think, I wouldn't act this way. I wish, you know, and before we go to say, well, I wish we wouldn't act that way, we remember. I, I heard some this week, I keep sticking with, it was Martin Luther King Jr. who said, riot is the language of the unheard. The people whose thirstiness has not been heard. People who have felt uh, um, unlistened to in our country for way, way too long. And it, and, it, and it builds up. And our police officers are caught in the middle right now. They're caught in the middle. Our police officers, the vast majority of whom are some of the most decent, honorable, heroic people I know, who are caught in the middle of a thirstiness and a dryness that is affecting our nation, our world, our culture. We live in a spiritually dry time. Maybe you are spiritually dry in yourself, that your marriage is spiritually dry, your relationships are spiritually dry, your work is spiritually dry. All those things that lead you to where you try to reach out and you try to build up based on all these other things and they do not quench your thirst. Jesus sees that. Jesus sees Jesus sees people who are downtrodden and oppressed. Jesus sees people who are hurting and struggling. And that's what Jesus is talking about in our scripture passage today. As Miss Jill mentioned to us so well, uh, this, this takes place in the middle of chapter 7 and 8. And se- chapter 7 and 8 are at the Feast of Tabernacles. Scholars tell us it was probably the most fun, if that's a scholarly term, of the ancient Jewish festivals. They would come to Jerusalem at the end of the harvest season. They would come and they would bring the, the branches and the green leaves, uh, and, and they, would, they would come and they would build little little shacks almost of these green leaves with roofs and it would remind them it would be a living reminder of how the people of Israel lived in the wilderness for 40 years and during that time for seven days the highlight of their days their day would be that the priests would go from the temple down to the pool of Siloam they would fill this golden pitcher and they would take it up 
to the temple and pour it around the altar. And they would do that every day for seven days as a reminder that God provided water from the rock in the wilderness. That God provided water for their season and, God, and, and it prays to ask God to provide water in the future. And scholars tell us it was, on, and the scriptures tell us, and scholars tell us that the last day was the eighth day. And it is likely that this happened on that eighth day when they don't go down and pour water, but instead they pray and they cry out for water. And you're invited to imagine that at the end, at that, at the end of that prayer, in a moment of silence, suddenly Jesus stands up and cries out to the people, all you who are thirsty, come to me. In that moment where the people were recognized by the absence of the water that day, their thirst and their need for the water that comes from God, Jesus comes and says, I will provide for you rivers of living water that will come from within your heart. Jesus uses water repeatedly as a metaphor, as an image for the provision of God Remember in the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well, the woman who comes in the middle of the day because she had such a bad reputation she couldn't come any other time of the day? She comes there and she draws water when it's hot and Jesus says to her, I can provide water for you that will never run out. And she says, oh, so I won't have to come back to the well. He says, no, it's different. It is the water that will quench the thirst of your soul that comes if you believe in me. John tells us that when he says that, about that ability for living water to flow from within one who believes, it says he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. That's what we talk about here on Pentecost. We recognize the coming of the Holy Spirit Now, there is something interesting. We have to know that the Holy Spirit's existence did not begin on Pentecost Sunday. Did you know that? It is kind of interesting because here in John it says, he was speaking of the Spirit, and as of yet there was no Spirit. But the Bible teaches us that God's Spirit is from the beginning. That the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus is God. It is as much God, He is as much God as the Father is God. The Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. And from the beginning, if you turn back to Genesis chapter 1, the writer of Genesis tells us that the Spirit, the breath of God, hovered over the deep hovered over the darkness, the nothingness that was before there was light and creation. And by the breath, by the Spirit of God, God created everything. The Spirit exists from the beginning. The Spirit empowers people in the Old Testament. We know that the prophets are told that the Spirit comes upon them. When David became king, the Spirit came upon him. And so there is experience of the Spirit coming to people, but Jesus promises that now this Spirit will not come only at a specific time for specific people for a specific purpose, that all who believe in God can have that life-giving connection to God's Holy Spirit. And it will be what you need to quench 
your thirst. So why, but though the question is, why, why wait for the Holy Spirit? Why couldn't the Holy Spirit have come right away? What does, what does he say? He says, because, John says, because Jesus was not yet glorified. That's a strange statement, isn't it? Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, he says that because in John, the glory of Jesus is connected to the cross and to the empty tomb. That Jesus' glory came at that moment when he came perfectly God, fully God, filled with the living water of God, and he comes into a spiritually dry and thirsty world, and what happens? They decide they've got to kill him. And so they nail him to a tree. They beat him until he bleeds. And when he is dead, they pierce his side with a spear, and from his heart flows blood and water. And it looks like the unrighteousness, the dryness, the thirst of the world could never be quenched, that there was no hope. But three days later, God shows the victory that the power of the living water of God overcomes the thirstiness and dryness of death. And Jesus is alive. And Jesus is ascended to the Father in heaven. And. What does Jesus promise his disciples later on in John's gospel? He says, if I go away, the Father will send you another advocate, comforter, to come and to remind you of all that I have taught you. You see, the Holy Spirit comes after the victory is won. The Holy Spirit comes to remind us that Jesus has overcome the powers of sin and death. That at the right hand of the Father, Jesus reigns and looks forward to that day when all will be made well. And the Holy Spirit reminds us that that is the case. You see, the Holy Spirit can come and not just be God out there, but God in our midst. Can not just be just a little bit of God, but rivers overflowing with water. I think that image of abundance was so critical. Griffin and I were in the Holy Land earlier this year with many others from the Kentucky Conference. I know some of you in here have been to the Holy Land too. And one thing you know when you're in the Holy Land is that it is very dry. There's not a lot of water. There's no big river uh, like the Kentucky River, the Ohio River that runs through downtown Jerusalem. The Pool of Siloam is about the only thing nearby, and it is very small. There are backyard swimming pools that might be a bit bigger. And for the, but in a world where there is no water, even something the size of a backyard swimming pool is, is tons of water. And Jesus says, in that world where water is so scarce, so precious, and so little, I am going to give you more water than you can handle. That that river of living water will not just be enough to, to, to touch and to slake and to quench the thirst that comes in your soul You know, it didn't say, and I will fill you with living water. He doesn't say that. He says, there will be rivers. You know one thing about a river? A river is always going somewhere. And so a river is not designed just to fill you up, but to fill you up and let it flow 
It's a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy in Ezekiel 47 that they would have read and they would have heard interpreted during this festival that the living water would flow in every direction out of the foot of the altar at the temple in Jerusalem. And here Jesus is saying, everyone who believes in me, you will become a temple of God and you will flow living water. And folks, when we look around and we look at our own dryness and the dryness of our culture, the Holy Spirit gives us what we need for you and me to be agents of renewal for our culture. When we look at a spiritually dry culture, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit that we can become part of that prayer that we pray and we will pray in a few minutes where we say, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you mean it when you say it? The Holy Spirit's how it happens. Because the Holy Spirit, when it's in you, when that living water is filling your soul, then your spirit, your, God's will is done. God's kingdom is coming in you. And what? It flows out so that the world around us, that we can be agents of reconciliation, even and especially when there is a deep history of injustice and oppression. You and I are empowered by the Holy Spirit to model reconciliation and hope. We can do that not by our own power, not by our own political views. We can do that, why? By the Holy Spirit inside us being agents of hope for the world. And the final thing I have to say is that you can receive the Holy Spirit today. You don't have to go to a special place. You don't have to pray a special prayer. Jesus says it's very simple. If you believe, you will receive the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you can receive the Holy Spirit for all the struggles and trials of your life. Now that doesn't mean that everything that's going on in your life and our world will get better all of a sudden. What it does mean is that God's presence will be with you as you go through it. What it does mean is that God's spirit will guide you and will lead you. You know, many, many folks have uh, been in church a long time and, and uh, they, we like, we're like the people in, in Acts. We studied the book of Acts on, we're studying the book of Acts on Wednesday night and I love that passage where Paul goes, uh, I think it's to Ephesus, and he goes and uh, he finds out there that he says, and they say, um, and they asked about the Holy Spirit, and he said, we have not heard there is a Holy Spirit. I thought, that's a great line for so many people. We have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, when they prayed to receive the Holy Spirit, they received it. And that can be the same for you today. You can receive the Holy Spirit. You can receive God living inside of you renewing your life, quenching your thirst, and then overflowing into a dry and parched land to bring forth life, renewal, and growth. So will you do that? Will you be part? Will you receive God's gift of the Holy Spirit? Let us pray.